0: There's two sentences that sound the same, but one is so much more powerful than the other. You can say, I want to be used, then the second sentence is, I want to be used now. And we must decide in our hearts, are we wanting to be used right now?
1: Hey, I'm Amani, And this is Elijah. And this is the Deeper Waters Podcast by Pistadas Bros diving right into the waters right here. <laughs>
2: so essentially, we are here to give some sort of Gen Z Bible study, you could say, where we are here as general Zers, and we are here to come to you and bring God's word.
1: We are general We were we we're, we're told off and we're stupid, and uh, we might just be validating <laughs> that point right now. But anyways, going into what we were looking at earlier, we're just trying to follow that same call, to be fishers of people, or what we believe, disciples. Simply, you could call us Piscatas, Rose. What does Piscata mean?
2: If you actually look at it, Piscata is the Spanish word for fish. And we wanted to create a name for being disciple makers, being fishers of men, and fishy dudes did not sound good.
1: <laughs> There's a difference between fishing as a lifestyle and fishing as a hobby.
2: And when you're living to be a disciple, maker, you're pushing yourself. But when you push yourself so much, sometimes you will you eventually get to that state where you, where you just start doing it. Because what, what what would really happen if we if we were wrong? Nothing. But if we were wrong in the other way, man, what, what what would that life be like? What would that life be like? What would that life be like? What would that life be like?
1: Hey, so welcome back to the Deeper Waters podcast. I'm actually very, very, very excited because we are starting a new series called the Versus Series. So basically with all of these episodes, we're going to have two topics that are similar and we're going to compare those Mm. two topics with a third opinion. So two topics, Mm. three people will have a guest every single time. And our first guest for this episode, his name is, well, we'll have him introduce himself. So uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, Uh, my name is Caleb Douglas. I'm very honored to be on this podcast. I am the youth leader at my church currently. I run a P7 club at my school, and I run a page on Instagram named Reach for the Bible.
1: That is so awesome. I actually did not know you were a youth leader. That is such a good and cool responsibility. Um, Concerning Reach for the Bible, this is actually one of the ways we got connected. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that came about and what its purpose is? Right. So,
0: at first, you know, becoming a youth leader in my church, you know, I, I took on the responsibility for people and I felt called to the lost souls, um, feeling the burden for the people that may or who are struggling, um, because you know, we all go through our things that we go through and we understand that. And I want to be able to learn and have the wisdom from God to be able to understand the people or some of the things that people go through. Um, And I felt that I should make an Instagram page to encourage others, even if they're Holy Ghost filled and baptized in Jesus name that they can wake up that morning and see something um, to be able to encourage them that day um, and I just felt God call me to be able to start this page and to help touch other
1: people that's so awesome I know you mentioned you do P7 I know that's one thing that really kind of got me and Elijah really started doing our own oh, thing yeah. you know not that it's our oh, thing it's still God's thing I think <laughs> but yeah. That is such an awesome thing. And we have Caleb here, youth leader, P7 leader, and a page runner of Reach for the Bible. And we are going to be talking on this subject comparing between anointing versus appointing. So I know these are two really similar topics, but there are a few subtle differences that make all the difference. So. Just before we get into the verses, I want to start out all of these podcasts um, with just giving a definition for both of these. So, anointing—the definition when you look that up—means number one, to smear or rub with oil, typically as a part of a rel- religious ceremony. Two, it is um, to ceremonially confirm, confer divine or holy office upon a priest or a monarch by the smearing or rubbing with oil. And three, it is to nominate or choose someone as a successor to or a leading leading candidate for position. And then appointing is for one, assigning a job or role to someone. Two, it is to determine or to decide on a place or time and three it is to decide the disposal of property of which one is not the owner under powers granted by the owner so from what i got when i read these definitions is that the main difference between anoint one that's anointed and something that's appointed is that anointed refers to the ritualistic act of pouring or rubbing or emiratic oil over a person's head or entire body even while mm. while appointed while appointed I'm sorry while appointed refers to the act of assigning somebody a job or a role. So one usually involves oil, one is more divine, and one is the best pick in the biblical concerning but concerning the Bible, one is a pick from God versus one tends to be what is carnally the best and man's picking. So one, most of the time, tends to be what God is doing and the other is what man is doing. And I know one of the first stories that comes to mind when I'm thinking about anointing and appointing is when you look at the prophet Samuel. So in First Samuel 16, Verses 1 through 13, this is the first part of the story, and this is concerning the anointing of David. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil or anointing oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Amenadab to step forward and walk to the front to Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives so Jesse sent for him he was dark and handsome with the beautiful eyes and the Lord said this is the one anoint him so David so as David stood there among his brothers Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on then Samuel returned to Ramah so just a prerequisite to that story. What happened just before that, or not just before that, but it said King Saul wanted to kill him. And that was because that was the man that, or would want to kill him when he did this. And that was the man he anointed mm. originally. But he picked that guy. Okay. The people picked that guy. They yeah. wanted somebody who was the tallest, way taller than everybody mm. else. He was way taller than everybody else. And he looked the part. But he didn't diso- mm. he disobeyed God quickly, multiple times. He wasn't really right within the heart. But this shows us when God wants to anoint somebody, he said right in verse 7, not to judge by appearance, not to judge by height. The Lord doesn't see the outward appearance. He doesn't just look at that, but he looks at the heart. That is the main thing. That the Lord looks at when he and he doesn't pick the same way that we pick. Do you have anything to say on that?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would I would say that like well, what I found really interesting if you look at this thing, is Jesse never would have thought it was David. I mean, he goes and and he brought seven of his sons, but he didn't bring David. He in his mind had this image of what Saul was, is what I'm imagining here. He saw that Saul was a great and mighty king. He was built. He had the look. He was. He had the part. He looked the part. And so that's what his dad was thinking. Well, if my, one of my sons is going to be king, I'm going to present him what I would think a king was. And Jesse did not even believe that his son could be it. Like you said, God doesn't care about what you look like. It's what is inside. And David had that. But it's just interesting to me that, His dad didn't even see what was inside of him. Because if that wouldn't, you think his dad would at least see it. Someone that was close to him. But his own father didn't even see that.
1: It's crazy thinking about that. And this kind of reminds me of even before I even get to the second part of the story. When I know he mentioned Caleb mentioned that he did. He's doing P seven right now. I know when I first started. I was in eighth grade when I felt. Led to do that, but the thing was, I wasn't one that spoke a lot, and I know there's a passage in the Bible where it talks about when Moses was called, he he had speech uh, speech impediment, but the thing was, God knew that he was the right candidate for the job, even though man would have never yeah. chosen. And I know for me, when I did started my P seven Club, this was something, it was something completely new to me. I'd never spoke in front of people never did any of that but the thing was God knew that you know while there was stuff for me to learn I definitely was not perfect just from the get go and there's a lot of stuff to learn over the years that I did it but at the end of the day it doesn't come down to your outward ability but it's what God absolutely
0: right Um. one thing that dropped in my spirit as you were saying these things um, and it could possibly have no idea what you guys just talked about but we in verse 7 like you said you know one thing that I think about is we always say we want to become more like Jesus we want to become more like him and so even if someone hurt you or someone did something to you they still need Jesus doesn't matter what they look like on the outside. No matter on what they look like or what they may have done to you, they still need what you have. Um, and that's something that I've learned is that some people in the world they may not understand the things that you understand. And my pastor was saying tonight, God's thoughts are bigger than our thoughts. Um, and even if someone may have hurt you or disrespected you or things like that, um, they still
1: need what you have. Um, but yeah actually never would have thought about that but i do really like Mm -hmm. that perspective especially kind of applying that to discipleship because just like this god wasn't looking like on the outside when he picked somebody but at Mm -hmm. the same time we like to do that when we are not only Mm. just picking people for leadership but it's like they're not ready for the gospel they're not ready to do this they're not ready to do that but i tell you so many times so many times it's even the newest people, even Paul is an example of this. That mm. he he killed Christians. Like he, like he I would never pick him. Like, never. Even if he acted like he got it together, I would have never picked him. If I'm being fully honest in my flesh. But, yeah. he ended up being one of the greatest figures for Christianity. So, when we witness the people, yeah. we need to have a similar mindset. Not to look on the outside. But to just do what the spirit prompts you to do. If he if the spirit tells you or even not even the spirit, you don't even you know, you do need to be guided by the spirits, but sometimes you need to make sure that you make up in your mind that you are going to reach out and to preach the gospel. You don't have to be a preacher to preach the gospel. I don't I'm not a charismatic person. I try to talk a lot. I've talked in church. And, you know, I try to be, get that. Ah, the ah. <laughs> I get up there. I can't do it. I can't. Like, I just end up teaching like I normally teach. But God didn't give me the grace to do that. But he did give me the grace to teach. I have learned that I have an ability to teach. But mm. I didn't get that out of nowhere. You know, I didn't just get that. You yeah. know, nobody would have saw that in me but that applies to anybody whether you're witnessing or it's about you or somebody who god wants to call it's not about the yeah. outward it's about what's on the inside and ultimately it's about what god wants to do with somebody god is the one that determines the transformation so
2: yeah absolutely you don't want to be the person that and hit prohibits their anointing that god's giving them god's anointing them you know i've I've seen so many people, and there's a missionary that comes to mind that I know personally that they were living a terrible life. I mean, they were just living the worst life. They weren't even in church. In the matter of a few years, they started coming to church, and then now they're over in a missions field doing the work of God. But if someone would have been there to say, well, you can't do this. You you know what you did? You know what you've done in your life? How could you be anointed by God? So we need to make sure as Christians that we're not standing in the way of their anointing because... Who are we to say that? We are sinners too, just like they are. And we can't just be standing in in their way. And um, going into the next half of this story um, in uh, 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 14, it says, Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants had Said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play smooth, soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right," said Saul. "Find me someone who plays well and bring him here." One of the servants said to Saul, "One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior and a man of war, and is good and has good judgment. He also." a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent, him, sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit would from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. I mean that's amazing to see the progression of this story in just one chapter where David has just received the anointing and slowly but surely. It's coming to fruition a little bit. God's already showing some of the anointing now by troubling Saul, and then David was the one picked to be in Saul's court. He is now with Saul and known by Saul, and he's getting known. I think that's so amazing. Yes, and a couple things
1: to just note on this specific passage about anointing and appointing. Number one, when the replacement was anointed, This is directly after the passage that I read before this. When the replacement was anointed, the spirit departed from the appointed. Now, this doesn't mean that every time somebody new is going to take, like somebody, maybe they're going to anoint a new pastor for a church. That doesn't mean that the old pastor just doesn't have any anointing. But the one that was appointed, he was specifically appointed to replace somebody who was disobedient. Number two, the anointing went straight, the anointed went straight into service. Remember that we must serve before we can rule. He didn't get to his anointed position until many, 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 many years after. Even the appointed one wanted to kill him and wanted to do all sorts of stuff, but he continued to serve. He even continued to honor the one that was appointed. Number three, it was hard to serve under a king who wasn't anointed he always saw David as a threat and consistently tried to kill him after this moment Uh, and then number four, David put into practice what he did before he was anointed he didn't suddenly get talent but he was already putting in the effort for example when he went to kill the, the giant he didn't He didn't just decide that was his first time he's going to kill something. No, he already had experience because he was a shepherd and he killed multiple different animals that tried to kill his sheep. So the four main points for one, the anointing, the anointing gave him the ability to enter into the will of God. Number two, the anointed went straight into service. Serve, serve, serve. That is the biggest thing I know. I actually heard a preacher say this. Um, if he, he said, "I don't trust anybody who doesn't worship. I don't uh, trust anybody who wants to lead something or like an evangelist that comes in, but they don't want to worship. They're just sitting there, like just sitting there, you know, not in their head, but they're not doing anything." And he said that because they think they're t- they tend to think that they are God most of the time when they see that. And it's not saying that you just need to go crazy if you visit the church. That's not what he's saying. But if you're not even humble enough to serve God in a service, then what does that say about yourself? I know that's a huge thing, but even outside of that, some people may be able to play that part. But I I know I've seen, I've seen it in some churches where some people get to a certain position and they think, oh, I'm too high up to clean the toilet. I'm too high up. To vacuum the church I'm too high up to clean the windows You're never too high up to. In fact Jesus He's rule, he's going to be ruler and king And he even Washed his servant's feet So the higher you go up in God It's really not even just going higher up Like He'll give you more grace to do stuff But it requires more You have to serve more It's not even just in prayer and investment But you have to have A servant's heart to rule uh, do you have anything to say about that? About a servant's heart?
0: Um, now, one thing that, you know, you guys probably definitely know, him. brother Landon Gore, yes. the evangelist, um, he, I was watching one of his messages, um, and not, it's very, very important to serve, but at the end of the day, we must ask ourselves, How anointed do you really want to be? Do you just want an anointed youth week? Do you just want an anointed youth rally? Do you just want an anointed church service? Um, we must decide coming into 2022 that we want, um, the anointed life. Um, we want to be anointed in everywhere we go and being able to, being able to be sensitive to the spirit. Um, and like you said, even though we go, Higher, there's still room to go higher. You, we shouldn't be satisfied on the place where we are right now. Um, And even if you go higher in church, and you're a youth leader, then you're a pastor, and things like that. God is still, He's still King. He still sits on the throne. He still has all the approval and all the wisdom that you know we need. Um, And one thing that my pastor said tonight, um, he didn't accept this job for him. You no, he didn't accept you know as being youth someone being a youth pastor. They didn't accept that job for themselves. Um, it's your call, and it's something that you are called to do. But yeah,
1: yes, and another thing I will say on that, and it, this really easily goes into the next point. When you're anointed, mm-hmm. you're going to serve. You're going to put in the effort and prayer mm-hmm. and all that to get to. There's always higher to go. There, even if you stop being pastor, or even if you make it to being a pastor or some overseer in some district or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's always more to pray for. And even when you leave that position, that doesn't mean you stop praying that much. That doesn't mean you stop serving that much. Mm-hmm. But two, when we start to serve, God will elevate you. If you elevate yourself, you're going to fall. If you do things your own way, you're going to fall. That's how Saul fell. He thought he was able to sacrifice mm-hmm. instead of being obedient. And this is just like that third point from this passage, it, was, it became eventually hard for David to serve under somebody that wasn't anointed, because he wasn't he, did, he didn't have the favor of God, he didn't have the grace of God under, on him. Now, he still had the position, and the Bible does tell us specifically to respect people, even people that aren't of God, in a position, as long as they don't contradict with God. So it was hard to serve under somebody who didn't have the grace to lead anymore. I know I have actually been in a position like that and there was all sorts of stuff and stuff ended up coming out from um, the darkness to light and there's all sorts of stuff that was going on in the background and I won't go too in depth into the exact situation that was going on but it wasn't wasn't the greatest thing that was going on and I I, Mm -hmm. mean a couple other people in the youth group but really I I know I personally had a lot of issues and I was starting to get even a little bit bitter about it but I know Mm -hmm. God had dealt with me because he was like he showed me that passage in scripture where you still have to honor those who are in yeah. leadership in general. And even though I could see certain things that I didn't agree with, and I could see that things were not being run the greatest way. And I'm not just talking about, you know, organization. I'm talking about like there's just certain issues that were starting to come out of the woodworks. But even then, I ended up texting him, even apologizing, like even though he didn't really know that I felt this way, I know that it wasn't right for me to feel that way. And I still, as long as I was going to go to that church, and I knew personally if things didn't change, that I would probably leave. But as long as I was there, I knew that I needed to still submit. Just like David, for example. He had, the person who was king over him was trying to kill him. He was hunting him, and he had multiple opportunities Mm -hmm. to just kill him on the spot. But even then, he knew not to touch the Lord's It says in the Lord's anointed, he he didn't touch, because he didn't have the Spirit of God in him anymore. He didn't have the grace of God on him anymore. But he was still appointed king. He was still the leader, so Mm -hmm. he still had to respect that position. This almost reminds me of some people's parents, you know. Some people's parents, they may come to Christ, and some people's parents may not be in church. But Mm -hmm. even then, you still have to respect them, because there's still an authority that they have. Now, like I said, this doesn't mean you contradict the word. God's command goes over anybody Mm -hmm. else's. That doesn't matter who it is. But, you know, eventually for my for my situation, stuff ended up coming to light and things ended up getting changed. So I never ended up leaving that church that I was attending. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it is really hard to do something or to serve under somebody who's not anointed. However, if you are anointed, because I've seen all sorts of preachers, I've seen all sorts of evangelists, I've seen all sorts of people, but if you don't have, the, there's a difference between being appointed to that position. That means I picked it, or somebody picked me, and I'm doing this from my ability versus I'm doing this from God's ability. And I, for example, P seven, I <laughs> I cannot talk. I was actually still oh, pretty quiet Lord. when I was doing it. I w- I've gotten a little bit better yeah. with volume, But I, c- I was not a loud speaker. <laughs> I didn't really like to speak like that. But by the end, we had about 50 people coming. About 50 people, if not more. It's true It was, a true so blessing. It was yeah. definitely a crazy thing. But I know for a fact, that there- <laughs> I wasn't popular in high school. I wasn't any of that. But oh, yeah. when God calls you to do something... It, it doesn't matter about your ability because the anointing is your ability. When you're appointed, that's your ability. Mm-hmm. But when you're anointed, that's God's ability and he mm. gave it to you. He gave you the grace to do that. And this almost reminds me of a story that I've seen. Um, you know, uh, sometimes in churches, we we can even as leadership or not even as leadership, we can start to see notice things and we may try to appoint some people quickly. But there's always a time frame to that if God doesn't give somebody grace to do something then it's not going to work out but if God gave you the grace you have to be patient in his timing for you to arrive there but as long as you are submitted and you are submitted to that anointing and that you're seeking after God he will give you the ability that you don't have he will give you the ability that you don't have so does anybody else have anything to say on that? (laughs)
2: I would say I know we've talked about this before. I mean, Amani, and I just remember we talked about at times when we, when we were growing up and in, in, in the youth group and we were uh, t- doing peace and we were doing work. But we would just see at times we'd go, "Why did this thing happen this way? Is it are they more anointed? Or I know how they act in real life. Are they?" why is why do things happen why why are some people allowed to do things and they're not living for god but yet they're getting used and you have to realize there are times when people are going to get used because they'll be appointed by people there'll be times in the church where somebody gets appointed and they'll do god's work god will use them even though they are not doing what's right fully god will still use them for the time but if you stay in god's anointing and you don't worry about what those things – because if, so many people can get caught up and say, well, if they can do that, then I'm just going to live like that and I don't care. But you have to realize their time will end. Their time is short and what will happen with them, God will deal with them. You don't have to deal with them. But you have to make sure that you live that. And I know I know, we've talked about this a lot, Bonnie, where it's been like, I don't understand that. How could that happen? But you just got to realize that they just – don't worry about them. God's going to deal with them. They're appointed for right now. Maybe they don't have that anointing or maybe they did get anointed and they're not doing how to handle it, but it's going to, it's going to work in the end.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard that. That was my dog. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing that I learned very quickly um, is comparison kills. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When, I, I'm in the guilt of that. Whenever I compare myself to somebody, it tends to bring me down so much. It tends to, it like makes your spirit rot. It's like you compare yourself to somebody. And the thing is, you have unique fingerprint for a reason. God has called you to be the person that you're going to be. He has a special plan for you. And. I don't know. That just gives me just, oh, it's good. But we can't have to, you know, compare ourselves to others um, because God already has a plan for ourselves. Um, He already has a purpose and a plan lined out for our lives already. Um, But yeah.
1: Yes, and when you said that, actually, that reminded me, I actually met with my pastor a little bit ago, and I don't really meet with him often, but I know it was really good meeting, but I remember I was talking about just certain things that I feel led to do as far as evangelism and stuff like that. Uh, but I did, I remember I mentioned, and I know God convicted me about certain things that I talked about. Uh, not that it was bad. I'm just talking about when I brought it to him mm-hmm. uh, about, I told him about how I I would continuously pray for boldness, but I felt like I wasn't getting it. But I remember God was showing me, you know, when you're anointed and you have that boldness, that comes upon you It's not about being It's not the same thing as being charismatic It's not the same thing as being able to Present yourself in a certain way It's not really When you, you're you bold It's not really about how you say something But the fact that you're willing to say it The fact that you're willing to speak the truth If you're willing to do God's plan That's the boldness You don't have to worry about looking like something else And I know what when I brought up my pastor for example And I know I told him about all that And I know he told me um, just like talking about how he's noticed a lot how some people when they are comparing themselves like you mentioned Caleb sometimes they try to be something or emulate somebody when they're preaching, when they're speaking somewhere and you know they get into that same routine ah, ah you know, you know trying to get that ah, preacher's breath, ah, preacher's asthma you know, <laughs> I'm going to call it that preacher's asthma, but at the end of the day, they they need to be their own self. They need to be who God made mm-hmm. them to be, use the ability that, that God gave them. And I'm not saying, you know, preacher asthma. I mean, I think it sounds great. But at the end of the day, what is it being said? What is it that's being said? Sometimes, you know, you can make it sound amazing. You may have preachers asthma. You may have a great motivational speaking voice and just be able to articulate things so well and sound like a motivational speaker. But at the end of the day, what did God anoint you to say? Because you can you can use big words to get around every point but what God said. And you can Mm. get loud all you want but say nothing. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day when you have that anointing on your life you will speak the word that God gave you and do the work that God told you to do with boldness and you'll have the grace to do it even if you don't look like the candidate to do that. So This goes right into Matthew 12. I mean, not 12, Matthew 22, verse 14. And it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And this just shows that even if we're not all called to do the same thing, we are all called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? Few. We all get the opportunity, but we have to accept that. We have to accept that in the obedience in our life. We have to accept that through everything that we do in our life. So I know anointing through obedience. In Micah 6, 6 through 16, it talks about how sacrifices are great, but that doesn't mean anything if we aren't in the will of God. So that means we have to be obedient all our ways. We can't keep any sort of idols in our life. Verse sixteen in that passage talks about how um, it talks about the founder of idolatry in the na- the nation of Samaria and the works of Ahab. It talks about a couple of different characters. If you you can read that on your own time, but the thing is, God God doesn't mind the sacrifices, but at the end of the day, it's not that that He wants. He wants obedience, and if as long as you're obedient and you're pressing after the will of God, then that anointing will not only be on your life. But stay on your life because Saul had the anointing, but it didn't stay on his life. He got it removed from him. Why? Because he wasn't obedient. And just talking about just certain passages in Samuel, when you read in Samuel, the passage where it talks about Saul and him doing a sacrifice, but he kept certain things. He kept the stuff that looked good to him. But God specifically told him to do something completely opposite of that. But he was able to justify in his mind that this is okay. I'm going to do it this way because I think that this way is best. But this is how we lose anointing. When we go off of our ways. That's not to say you don't use wisdom. But if God specifically told you to do something and you don't do that, that's rebellion. And rebellion is like against God is basically witchcraft. A form of witchcraft. It's like yeah. just equivalent to witchcraft in god's eyes so we need to make sure that we accept god in our life all are calling but few are chosen why because so many people are disobedient a lot of people have a form of godliness but they don't have any power why because nobody wants to everybody wants to say oh you're not saved by works but you're not saved by works but the only way to prove that you're saved is by your works by your fruit by the fruit that you're producing So that's the only way that you, yes, you're not saved by works. That's made abundantly clear in the Bible. However, that's how you prove it. It says, I prove my faith through my works. I prove my faith through the fruit that I'm producing. I prove that I have the spirit of God by producing love, producing joy, patience, the fruits of the spirit. And some people, they may get up and do something, but they don't have any patience. They don't have any joy. They don't have any of that. Why? Because they're not... Even if they have the Holy Ghost, it says you, you can you can quench the Holy Ghost. You can quench that anointing that you mm-hmm. have in your life. And that's because you're not submitting to the Spirit. You're not doing things God's way.
2: Wow, yeah, that was really good. Man, I, I love that so much. Because if we're not living... The life it eventually comes to fruition, right? When you when you're not living the life that God wants you to, when you're living on your own, it eventually shows through. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like those fruits of the spirit will show through when you're living for God, and then then you get the fruits that are not good that we talked about. We talked about that a few podcasts ago when we talked about what what comes from not living the right life and what comes from that. So yeah, I think that's so important.
0: Right. Um, one thing that I always pray about and what I think on is I never want to be older and say I wish I could have done more um and that's something that I always always think about um and you guys probably definitely know him Draylen Young um his forever amen reprise song the pastor was saying that you know when you get into heaven and things like that how are you going to react um and i just think right now you know me being only 17 looking in for college and things like that you know we never want to we, we always want to step out like you said in boldness that's something that i'm praying for right now is i want more boldness i want to be able to step out and be bold um but like you said many are called few are chosen and we must decide now that i want to be anointed i want to be used by god and There's two sentences that sound the same, but one is so much more powerful than the other. You can say, I want to be used. Then the second sentence is, I want to be used now. And we must decide in our hearts, are we wanting to be used right now? You know, one thing that I see on Instagram that I scroll through was, if you wait, if you keep saying, I'm going to wait until I'm ready, you're going to wait for the rest of your life. And that's one thing that I just say that I want to do as much as I can right now. But, yeah. yeah
2: that's so important. I know. I mean, when we started our – he started the P7 and I joined um, – Oh, was that end of freshman year or sophomore year? I can't really remember what year that was. But I, I did not go to the school. I was an online student. I just remember he was like – Hey, so I'm going to go talk to the principal and I'm going to make it so you can come and you're going to be a part of this. And I was like, oh, joy. And I was like, I don't want to do this at all. I was terrified. I was like, there's no way he is getting me to go talk to some people. No, I'm good. Now, Now, some people get the thing, well, if you're homeschooled, you don't have to talk to people. I knew how to talk to people, but i it wasn't the fact of that. It was just like, I am terrified. And so... I just remember that it is so important. I remember just thinking one day I, I was I was praying about it. It was just like you need to be bold now because you don't have that. And that's so important because without that thought process, I would have never been able to help him and we would have never been able to grow into the P seven that we became because we were able to go, I'm gonna push myself aside. And he said he's gonna push himself aside and we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast and we're gonna make sure that this P seven is the best thing we can represent to our to our school and represent that to the people. And I think that's just so important because if you don't live every day like I need to do this now, we're not we're gonna miss so many people. We're not gonna reach so many people. And and also another another story that I could think of is is I didn't live that before. He asked me this I, when I was younger. I was um twelve years old. I remember I used to hang out with a bunch of kids and we would go BMX biking and some of them were skateboarders. Some of them did that, but we'd all go down to this skate park and we'd go all the time when I was younger. And it was so important to me that I did that, but I was so scared to talk about God. I was like, no, so that's not me. I'm not gonna go and and talk about God. If they asked me, yeah, I went to church, but I wasn't gonna bring it up. And so they knew I was I went to church, but that was kind of it. They didn't know a lot about my life. And after we did P7, I kind of forgot about this friends. Life just separated us, and we did the P7 thing, and, and it was so amazing, and I and I learned how to do this stuff. And then, uh, I want to say it's been in, a little over a year ago now, wow, I had a phone call and it said, um, it was the brother of one of my friends I went skating with and he, and he, and they called me and they said, your friend has passed away. And in that moment, I realized there was so much I should have done or could have done. And it was like, wow. And so that hit me. And so for a while, I was just like, man, I need to make sure. And that That hurt for a little bit, but it just encouraged me more that you can't just not talk about God. It is so important to live in the now that you can't just wait for someone else to ask you about God or wait for the perfect moment. You got to do it now because you don't know. No one's promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. I didn't know he was going to pass away. And with that, I was able to talk to his brother and his brother is now going to church and it encouraged me. But that will live on you. If you don't do that, what if that happens to you too? You don't want that on your conscience. You need to make sure that you're living in that now that you were just... I think that's so important.
1: Yes. I really love that. I, I, I had to write that down. I was like, write that down, write that down. Do you, <laughs> you want to be used or do you want to be used now? And just for that story that Elijah was talking about, if anybody's wondering about that and hasn't listened to the first episode, he goes way in depth in that. And he didn't get used then. He didn't decide mm-hmm. to be used then. But when he decided to be right. used now... What a crazy story that is. I won't go too in depth, but it it turned into a whole miracle. It turned into a whole testimony for not just one, but many. Right. But it was when he decided, oh, well, I see what happened when I didn't get used then, but I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to put in the effort now to be used now. Do you want to be used now? A lot of people want to be used Like you said, but a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you may even say, they may say with their lips that they want to be used now, but they don't put in the effort. They don't serve. They aren't obedient. They aren't doing the bare minimum. So, yes, it doesn't matter who you are. God can call any, God will call anybody, but to be chosen takes a mental change that I'm going to live a repentant life. I'm going to live a life submitted to God. I'm going to live a life where I continuously submit to God and do His will. And when I do His will, His will will be done through me.
0: Right. Um, that's such an amazing thing to hear, which is, it's, that's so awesome. Um, I was at a called conference and Brother Victor Jackson was preaching at that conference. Um, and oh, it, it, it's attached to me as of today. Depending how you accept your calling affects others' calling. And basically, what Victor Jackson was saying was he didn't get it, he did not get saved until college. And that man that started the CMI, he felt called from God to start his CMI and if that man never would have accepted his calling would Victor Jackson be who Victor Jackson is today touching the lives he's touching today so depending depending on the call we feel from God that's going to affect others
1: and how they accept their calling Mm -hmm. but yeah that's amazing you accepting your anointing (sighs) you deciding that you want to be anointed today you know you don't give yourself anointing, but you deciding, mm-hmm. yes, I want to walk right. in the way. That's going to affect somebody else's decision. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to accept the call so they can accept the call? That's one thing that we yeah. have to keep in our minds, that we're not just doing this for ourselves, but we're doing this mm-hmm. for others. We're doing this for God, but yeah. it says serve God, love God, then love others, serve others. So you serve mm-hmm. God. and when you serve God you're inevitably going to be serving others so this isn't a selfish thing this anointing goes out it's contagious almost it's contagious and that's why it's so important to be obedient and to be have faith in what God can do now and do it to do what he told you to do absolutely
2: and we're going to go into our next passage in 1st Corinthians um chapter 1 verse 26 through 29 not too lengthy and it says remember dear brothers and sisters the few of you that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you instead God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful God chose things dis- by used by the world things counted as nothing at all and use them to bring nothing use them to bring to nothing what the world considered important as a result no one can ever boast in the presence of God I think that's so important it kind of goes with what we're talking about here when we say God chose us and maybe we don't have the status and like he said. He, he, he had fears of, of talking in front of people and I, I had fears of just talking about God in general. And God didn't choose us because we were the best. God didn't, doesn't choose you because you're best. He chooses you because of your flaws. He chooses you because you're not perfect and says, I'm going to make that as an example to show this is my child. I did this so that we can't just say we did it on our own. But we still give God the glory in everything we do, even if it's great. Yeah, I did it, but God was doing it through me. It wasn't actually me. God used this empty vessel that I've created of myself so that God could use me. And I think think that's so beautiful when you really think about that concept of emptying yourself out. Get rid of everything. Get rid of all the sin, all of the flesh, and say, God, move through me. And when you do that, God is God is using you in things you could have never done. God will use you so mightily. I loved how he said Victor Jackson. Victor Jackson was a college basketball player, and what he, what would, who could have imagined what he's doing now? He's going and and during the pandemic, he went in the middle of the streets and started preaching to people and witnessing to people during a riot. During a riot, and and he's doing these things that God is using him. And who would have thought that basketball player that didn't know about God was going to end up doing that? our our destinies aren't written by what we say we're gonna be God is changing your life all the time God knows what he's gonna do with your life you just have to be willing for God to use you because you can decide oh I want to be this I'm gonna be great in this I'm great in that but as soon as we let God do those things and God can help guide us then we're gonna really get into our full potential
1: yes and this reminds me of the Apostle Paul when You read his writings in one part and then early in his ministry, he said, I am a chief apostle. You know, I like, you know, obviously he didn't have a great past, but eventually in his ministry, he realized that he started identifying himself instead of the chief apostle to the chief of sinners. Why? Because he realized that God gets the glory through your humility. God gets your glory, gets glory Mm, through your weakness. There's a reason why we have certain weaknesses. That's why he learned instead of Glorying in his strength, the glory in his weakness, because it's through the weakness that it makes it infout, like it, it just makes it completely proof that this is not him, but this is God. Because he knew that it wasn't him, then God used him for more. Because we we're not nobody's truly eligible to do everything that God's God wants to do their people, but it's recognizing that you're not eligible. It's recognizing because God really even I know I talked with Elijah about this um, and even some other people um, just talking about, for example, us as humans. We don't know the glory of God. We don't know the fullest glory of God. But many of the angels did. Many of the angels. I know some people say they don't have free will. And I know I talked about this this last podcast, but Satan had free will and he chose them wrong. But he knew the full glory of God. But we are here to confound angels to have greater wisdom than we do because we still choose God whether we have everything or we don't. For example, Job, he still chose God even though everything went wrong. He lost everything. He had things decent and he lost everything and he still chose God. But the thing was, God was proving to Satan that though you think he's stupid for this, he's still going to confound. Those who have more wisdom than us. And even in an earthly perspective, God can use somebody off the street to confound somebody who has many PhDs, you know, many doctorates and many different degrees. Because God is in the business of confounding the wise, confounding those who think they're wise, not the real wise. The real wise is those who fear the Lord. That's the beginning of real wisdom, according to the Bible. But God is in the business of confounding those who think they're wise. So the more unqualified that you are, as far as not saying, now there are qualifications to do certain things, and that's obedience. But the more unqualified you are to the world standards, not God's standards, the more God is going to want to use you, really, because... When you are unqualified in the world's eyes, but you're qualified in God's eyes, which qualification isn't by the world's eyes. Qualification in God's eyes is being willing to invest, having willingness, having willingness, having faith, and having obedience. Yes, you may have to sacrifice some things, but obedience precedes the f- sacrifice. We just talked about this this last episode. Obedience doesn't proceed the sacrifice. Uh, Obedience proceeds to sacrifice. Sacrifice doesn't precede obedience. So, yes, you may have to sacrifice. Yes, you may have to give up some time in prayer. Yes, you may have to do certain things. But at the end of the day, all that sacrifice, because some people may pray all the time, but they're not doing the will of God. Some people may pray and read the Bible, but they're blatantly disobeying it. So, that doesn't mean anything to God. But if you're obeying and then your works are following, that's when God Really wants to use you. That's when God is going to use you to confound those who think that they have it all together. That think that they are on their own, have it all together. Do you have anything to say on that?
0: Um, one thing that, you know, I'm just, you know, in awe about is that you could say, um, is, you know, God doesn't expect every single one of us to be perfect he doesn't expect perfection out of any of us um and that's okay is that we can understand that we are imperfect um and we're gonna fall and we're gonna slip the bible says for we all fall short of the glory of god we're not all perfect we don't have to have it all together for god to use us um and that's what is just so amazing is that even when we fall away fall away, or we don't pray for a week or we, someone goes back to an addiction, God still calls us right back. And that is why, you know, the enemy is so mad at us is because the enemy had his own spot in heaven for himself. He already had a spot in heaven for himself. And he made one mistake and he got cast down. We make a mistake after a mistake after a mistake and after a mistake and God still forgives us. Even when we make mistakes, God still has a plan for us and that's why the enemy is so mad at us and he wants to take us down to hell with him. It's because he made a mistake and he got cast down immediately. But when, when we make mistakes, God says, I still love you. I still care about you and I still want what's best for you.
1: Yes, I'm pretty sure if, I, if I'm if i remembering the scripture right, I may may have it slightly wrong, but I know the point of it still stands the same. I'm pretty sure it's something like, a righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up. It says something like that. And, that's the thing. You know, righteous people, for example, Noah was considered righteous. He was a drunk. As soon as he got off that ark, he got his little sip out, and he was laying out naked drunk. But, the thing was, he was willing to be used. So, no, that doesn't mean we're not going to have temptations. No, that de- now, of course, we don't want to use grace and abuse that and say, Oh, I- well, I'm gonna just go out and do this. No, I'm not saying that, and that's not, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's not what Caleb's yeah. saying either. But the thing is, yeah, yeah, we have the ability to be repentant, even in the Old Testament. That's mm-hmm. all God ever wanted was people to have a repentant heart, to humble themselves, to pray and seek his face, and to turn from their wicked ways. Then God would hear. Then God will heal. Then God yeah. will work when you are humble enough to re- live a repentant life. I know we've emphasized it time after time after time on this podcast that repentance has almost very little to do with being just sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, that is an aspect of it if you sin. But it's mm-hmm. being willing to know that I can't do this on my own. I have to fully stand still and know that he's God. I have to know that I have to lean on him completely and totally. I'm not able to overcome the sin, but the spirit within me yeah. is able to overcome it. So if I submit to God, no, I'm not, not going to be perfect, but I'm going to strive to be, I'm going to strive to. And yeah, I know Satan's just shaking his fist because he knew <laughs> everything there is to know. Many of these angels that fell with them knew everything that there was to know. Mm-hmm. And they still fell, but we only know what God gave us, and we have to mm-hmm. just trust God. We don't know everything, but we're still able, even when we mess up, and we're tempted by these people, by these I um, people, by these angels and by these demons mm-hmm. and by these these fallen figures and these evil figures. Even though we're tempted, and even though we may fall, we don't have all the wisdom, and that's why Paul himself gloried in his weakness, I, I, whether that weakness was just you know the. The lust of the flesh, whether that weakness was literal weakness in the body and not being able to do certain Mm. things. Paul even had all matter of conspicuous, all matter of lust inside of him. He had that, he was tempted by everything. Temptation's going to come, but the Spirit of God lets us flee from temptation. The Spirit of God gives us the ability to overcome that temptation, but Mm. we have to submit to that. But even in the off chance that we fall, because we're not going to be perfect. It will never be perfect. There's always going to be something that we mess up. We still have the ability to get right back up. Not just fall on the ground and stay there, but we have the ability to get right back up. God, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna yeah. get. I'm gonna put a boundary. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. We have that ability, and that that's special, and we can't take that for granted.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And if you really think about it, almost. I'm going to say everybody in the Bible God used. There, there's sin that they had in their lives. I mean, think about David, a man after God's own heart. God didn't say that until after he had committed the sin with Bathsheba. There, everybody in the Bible sinned, and, and yet God still showed his love and, and glory to us. And another part going on to what you said, like you said, we can... Repent and get right back up. So many times as Christians, we believe well, when we fail, we gotta take a couple steps back. There's a song I remember. I don't know if you knew this, Amani. It was years ago. It was called Two Steps Forward, Five Steps Back. It was like this rap song. I don't even remember who the artist was. We got to see him live in concert. Our church got to see him, and I, I still don't. It was so long ago, it but I just remember out, our man. youth group. There's a song Two Steps Forward, Five Steps Back. They said they take two steps forward, they sin and they fall five steps back. And I I remember this song. And I'm actually have to look it up because I don't remember the lyrics. But as a kid, I understood it as, well, it takes two years. It's already sinned and he fell five sets back. We need to realize that when we sin, yes, we fell down, but we just get back where we're at. Because if we keep falling back to the very bottom of the totem pole, we're never going to get anywhere. We need to make sure we realize God loves us and he forgave us. sin. so we need to just keep going. You know, you sin, you say sorry, and you mean it, but you have to keep going. You can't just go, well, I messed up, and you can't dwell on that because then – If you're dwelling on that sin, it's just going to cause so much other problems. We need to make sure that we keep growing. We don't just keep falling back and take a few steps forward, we keep going forward.
1: Yes, we need to genuinely believe that God has the ability to deliver us. So, even like you said, when we fall, a lot of times we get in a mindset. That when you fall, oh man, well I might as well just do this since I fell, and eventually I might get back, but I, I fell, and God's just not, no. God wants you to get right back up. A righteous man they get right back up they have that resiliency they have are able to just hop back up that's what God wants you to do and the devil is gonna tell you oh God don't want you so you might as well just go sin a little bit and you're gonna to have to start all over no you don't have to start all over when you are with God when you're with God you can get right back up but you are in charge of putting that boundary back up you're in charge of making sure that you do the best that you can to get out and then submit to God for the rest because there's a part that we can do. Sometimes we leave openings for things to get in. But we need to make sure that we do our best to submit to God. You look like you got something to say. Got something to say. <laughs> huh, I see you rubbing your hands. <laughs> you got huh?
0: yeah. um, well, first I want to say this podcast is amazing. I'm already learning so much from this. Um, one thing, like you said, uh, we don't want to, you know, abuse the grace we don't want to fall and say okay I'm going to ask to, get to do it again and you know repeat that cycle um, but I don't want to get the scripture wrong um, you definitely know it I was reading it the other day um, something like you know if you abide in me ask in faith and you shall receive mm-hmm. and you know we look and we say ask in faith and we shall receive but the first part of the scripture says if you abide in me and, and abide means to accept And some things, when we go through things, and sometimes things don't go our way, or even other people in the world, they say, you know, things don't go our way, um, and something happens to them, they say, oh, God allowed this to happen to me, and that happened, and blah, 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 but did you accept God? And I was watching a court case the other day, and, you know, her son had passed away, Um, and she was, you know, blaming God for everything that had happened, but... We must abide in God. And even when the things seem so low and we may not know the, the, the answer for the circumstance we may be going through, we still must trust. And like you said about, um, the sin and falling down and getting right back up, the Bible says that he removes our transgressions from us as far as from the east to the west. So when we sin and we repent and we ask for forgiveness, um, God's still going to forgive us for those things. And like you said, we don't want to abuse that grace. But yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Amen. God is God is just so awesome. I know he's been Mm -hmm. speaking through all three of us really and that's the thing. God God is a graceful God. He gives grace to the humble. To the humble. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that you know you know, you have it all together. That means you're willing to submit to God, willing to say that Because if you're prideful, you don't, you don't think you need God. If you're prideful, you don't think you need God. But if you know you need God, no matter what position you are, God's going to give you grace. And even when you fall, you know you need God. So he'll give you grace through that situation. And just going into this last scripture, which I have something to supplement the scripture. So I'm excited about this. But first John five, one through five, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we can achieve this victory through our faith and who can win this battle against the world only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God so we have to believe and we have to obey in order for God to work I know one thing that's um, even this is a third side note so I have a side note that's actually a note but this has popped in my mind but it said his burden is not too much his commandments are not burdensome And I know one thing, I even, I know I've felt led to tell a couple people this, but to remind them that God said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So what does that mean? Hmm. If God gave you grace and you're in God, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His his commandments aren't burdensome. So what does that mean? When the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you, it's it's typically really quiet. And it might be, don't do that. Oh, go speak to that person. Oh, go. But the thing is, it's light. It's the burden is light. The yoke is easy. So the you can easily be like, I'm not doing that. I, I, that's not God. But we have to learn. That's why we have to become sensitive. It's like the difference between a dog who needs a super hard chain versus a dog who doesn't even need a full shock, but just to vibrate and then listen. There's a difference between that. Some dogs, they don't even need a shot. It's literally just a movement on their neck and they know they need to be obedient from there. That's how that's kind of how it is. Some people think God has this big old chain. No, he's not going to make you do all that. He'll let you go. The prodigal son is the prime example. He will let you go. He's not going to force you to do anything, even though he has the power to. Now, he'll give you more and more circumstances to try to bring you back. But at the end of the day, it's your decision and you have to be sensitive enough To hear God, you have to make yourself open enough to feel the light tugs from the Lord. Another thing, the real side note that I had is that there's a difference between anointing and appointing. And it will be made because in Isaiah 10 and 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of anointing. And this is talking about bondage, a yoke of bondage. There's a difference between the yoke of the Lord and the yoke of bondage. And the thing is, the yoke, if you have anointing, you will be able to break yokes, not just in, especially in your own life. Cause there's certain things. I know some people don't believe Christians don't need deliverance, but if you get into certain sins and you, you start dealing with certain things, there's certain things that just be broken over your life. Now, that doesn't mean you're possessed. I don't, I'm not saying all that, but there's certain things that if we allow certain things too much time, that's what we have to get right back up. Because if you don't, you start to wallow on stuff, then you start to fall into certain things. And I know a lot of Christians are deceived Because we can't be fully possessed I know I actually saw a really abstract Preaching where it talked about No you can't be possessed As far as you know If you have the spirit of God it's not going to take over Your whole body but that's why In the scripture it talks about you know if your hand Offends you cut it off if Demons can still inhabit certain parts of Your body not your spirit it can't Inhabit your spirit so if you Give them access legally you remember Satan's a legalist that's why it says we're not we're not under the law of bondage. We're not under bondage to the law. Now we're free to do the law. But Satan's going to try to find any way to get access into your life. But if you have anointing on your life, you're going to be able to break that yoke. And when you have anointing in your yoke, it's going to show even not just in your life, but in other people that you touch, other people that God showed you and led you to touch and to lead and to speak into and all sorts of different things that he may call you to do the anointing in your life if you are anointed and not appointed the anointing is going to show it's going to bring forth fruit because some people they may sing amazing they may have great talent and be able to appeal to your senses but they're not doing anything in the spirit there's a difference between being sensual and being spiritual as in spiritual through God not spiritual through anything because when you're spiritual through God you're going to shift something in the spirit even if it don't cause something emotional even if it doesn't cause any real differences if you are really spiritual it says if you're spiritual acknowledge these commandments and I believe in Corinthians if a man said they're spiritual to they acknowledge the commandments and so if you're really spiritual There's going to be things, things that are going to shift, maybe in the natural, but definitely in the spirit. But if you're just appointed and you just have talent and that you're just prideful, you may be able to change the emotion. You may be able to hit that note just right and get a tear to come out of somebody's eye. But that didn't touch them. It didn't really touch their spirit. There's a difference between ministering to senses. That's what that's what's so dangerous about being sensual. It's not about all looking a certain way and trying to attract people. No, being sensual is more than that. When you have it says in the last days, people will become sensual instead of anointed, because when you're sensual, you can hit all the right notes and have the fog machine and have all the appeals to the senses and to the emotions. But if it doesn't do anything in the spirit, it means nothing. But if you're submitted an anointing, you may hit all the wrong notes. You may sound terrible, but I know I heard a story about an old lady. She got up and started singing and she sounded terrible. She was really old and she didn't have a voice like she used to. But as soon as she started singing, the anointing broke out. Because it wasn't because she sounded good. It was because she had anointing. She was serving and putting in time through her prayers and serving the church and doing what God told her to do anointing through obedience as I mentioned earlier that's when you have anointing in your life it's a shift in the spirit is what it is that's exactly what it is yeah that's
0: so good (laughs) wow Um, one thing that I posted you know on my Bible study page on Instagram. Um, I felt God so heavily speak to me on this. Um, you can't have a fresh anointing with a lazy spirit. And when that hit me, I was just like, that hit me hard. Right. It's that I, you know, we ask, we say, God, we want to be anointed, but we must, like, we must do the things to, Get the anointing. Like you said, um, we have to be committed to the things of God. Prayer, reading, fasting. With the hour and the day that we're living in, we cannot be lazy. That's one thing we can't do. We can't, you know, lay in our bed and under our covers and like say, oh, I'm not going to pray today. We must, we can't have the anointing if we're lazy. We can't have that fresh anointing if we're sitting in a spirit of laziness. We must have to, you know, reach out and decide and commit and say you know what i don't like i said i don't just want an anointed day or anointed service or anointed prayer i want the anointing for the rest of my life i want to be able to make a switch in the atmosphere when i speak and just being able to humbling yourself before god and saying that you know i'm not perfect nothing about me is perfect you must come to that conclusion that we are imperfect And coming to God and saying, God, I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know what you're gonna say or the things you're gonna do in my life, but I'm willing to lay it down for you. And that in AYC 27, um, Rev brother Carson, I think that's his name, we have to stop fighting God's will. We have we must know that our plan's gonna fail. What we like the things that we line up for our lives, they're gonna end up failing. We must say that, God, I don't want to fight your will. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to have those things in my life, but I want to be anointed.
1: Yes. And I I really love what you said there about not being lazy, but really reaching out You know, you said reaching for God, reaching for the Bible, like your page calls and reaching out. Sometimes you have to put in the effort. You can't be lazy with what God wants you to do. And even going back to that last passage of Scripture that was officially part of the notes of 1 John 5, and one, it says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And we only ever want to read the first half of that verse. We only want to read the first little bit, but nobody reads on. We have to love the Lord. And you can't just love him nonchalantly. You can't be lazy. But it's that the only way Mm. to show that love to the Lord, and we've mentioned this a couple times in our past podcasts, is through obedience. We cannot emphasize that enough. Saul lost his anointing when he thought that his sacrifice trumped his obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice, period. Next, it illustrates what this is for who he called throughout that scripture. If he calls you, he'll qualify you. It doesn't matter about what man sees in you. If he calls you, he will qualify he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. Why is that? Because mm-hmm. God wants to make a point that this is me working through them, not them working Amen. through themselves. Amen. That's what yeah. it's all about. You have anything Absolutely.
2: to say? Absolutely. I mean I think that is I think that's so wonderful that we, we go into that because I love that saying, he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And that's so important for us to realize that it's not just about what your abilities are. It's about what God does to you. And we've talked about this through this whole podcast is that at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we do and use the anointing of God. And wherever the anointing takes us, we need to follow that. And it's not about what our abilities are, but it's what, what God gives us and what we're able to do with what God gives us.
1: Yes. Exactly. So as we start to bring this episode to a close, I'm going to have Caleb uh, come on here and lead us out with prayer. Uh, I really, I really felt something moving throughout this podcast. I think it was an anointed yes. podcast because, I mean, yes. I know we put an effort in our different pages and stuff like that, but genuinely, we, we really need to get that in our spirit that it's, it's not a lazy thing. It's not something that's just going to happen nonchalantly, but it's going to happen through obedience. And yes, his commands are not burdensome. But it's still a commandment. It's still something that you... It's it's a easy and a light burden, but it's still a burden. It's still something that we have to submit to. And since it's easy, that's all the more that we have to submit to. Now, that's not to say that life is easy. Life is not easy. The carrier cross isn't easy. But we have to not be lazy about it. So, Brother Caleb, you go ahead.
0: Yeah. All right. God we thank you, God, for another day. God, we pray with your power and your anointing, God, I pray, God, that this isn't just a a regular podcast, oh God, but I pray, God, that this podcast would be a transforming in our spirit. God, I pray, God, as we walk out of this podcast today, God, that it would switch in our spirit, oh God, that we wouldn't have a lazy spirit, God, that we would walk out in boldness and in faith, God, But we understand, God, and you understand, God, that we aren't perfect, that we don't have perfection, God, and you're not looking for perfection, God, but you're looking for someone who is hungry and who wants to reach out, God. I pray, God, as we walk into 2022, God, that we would reach out, God. We would want the anointing. We would want the power, God. And I pray that we would step out in boldness. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. 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 This was an amazing, amazing, amazing episode mm-hmm. so far. But yes. just before we, I have a lot to close out. Caleb, do you have any further last remarks? Slash give yourself a little advertisement for your page and then we'll have it in the bio, but... You can go ahead and give any last remarks.
0: Yeah, um I would say thank you guys so much for having me on this. It was such an honor. Um if anybody wants to follow the page, it's reach dot for dot it's reach for the Bible. So it's reach dot for dot the dot bible underscore. Um and it's it's a growing page that oh, God is, you know, using that page for you know, anybody who needs encouragement or motivation but i thank you guys so much for you know having me on today and act you know trusting me with this um yeah
1: yeah so it's definitely a great great time was it was amazing. a great episode like this was it once we really <laughs> got into the conversation it, it went very well so just remember that reach dot four dot the dot bible underscore <laughs> that, that sounds almost like a, one of them. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Like numbers that be at the end of a commercial and they start Yeah, the you like call this H dot or underscore. <laughs>
0: yeah, I try. To, I try to type in just reach for the Bible, but someone already had that name, so I had to do something weird. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, everybody that's listening to us, we thank you so much for tuning in again. We love doing every single episode and we enjoy it. We enjoyed having Caleb on today. And we just thank everybody that's listening and the viewership in, is growing and we keep he- seeing every day that everything is getting bigger and bigger yes. and we love it and we hope that we, as we grow, that others around us grow and we love reaching out to the community. We love being able to have Brother Caleb on with us and getting to reach see where his community is and getting to get together in that community and we thank everyone so much for listening to this podcast.
1: Yes and God bless.
2: God bless.